Welcome to the Standard Age Podcast, a casual conversation about the lives of entrepreneurs and those growing companies. I can't thank you enough for listening as these episodes have been a wonderful supplement to the line of apparel that I'm thrilled to share is steadily growing. If you like what you hear, please visit standard-h.com and sign up for our email list. The website not only hosts every episode of this show, but also allows you to explore the entire product assortment and our latest travel recommendations. As an email subscriber, you will be the first to receive product release information as well as receive offers no one else is privy to. Just visit standard-h.com for more information. Seeing Standard H worn by a growing number of watch enthusiasts has been incredibly cool to witness, so chances are good if you're listening to this, you're probably an enthusiast already. However, if not, it makes no difference as Passion Find Jewelry welcomes everyone into their shop in Solana Beach, California. If you're already in deep, you'll know some of the brands that Tim Jackson and his team carry, which are some of the most highly sought-after independent watch manufacturers sold today. Names like Roger Smith, Grunfeld, Kudoke, Habring, Sarpaneva, and many more. If you can't make it to California, visit passionfinejewelry.com for their entire offering online. This episode is also brought to you by Contonement. Contonement's flagship product, the Kerchief, is a perfect medium between a handkerchief and a bandana. Featuring iconic designs such as the Fender Stratocaster and the dashboard of a Volkswagen GTI, these utilitarian cloths are an item that should be a mainstay in your everyday carry. Tuck one in a back pocket or use one as a neckerchief. Visit them at contonement.co, that's C-A-N-T-O-N-M-E-N-T dot co, and use the code STANDARDH in all caps, no spaces, for 20% off everything in their online shop. Now let's get to the show. This past summer, my wife and I took a trip to Zion National Park in Utah. Those of you who follow Standard H on Instagram, I'm sure have seen photos from the trip. Zion has some of the best hiking trails I've ever done in my life, and it was during that trip I learned Zion also has the best Italian ice I've ever had in my life. When I sat down to speak with today's guest, Xander Rosello, co-founder of Desert Ice, a deliciously cool treat served up out of a food truck, I honestly thought the business had been around much longer than it has. Xander and his partner Annie had only started Desert Ice just this past summer. However, like most businesses, the timeline extends far beyond what's actually brought to market. It was super fun getting to know Xander, who originally hails from Philadelphia, only to learn about his outdoor experience with Outward Bound and his affinity for compact SUVs. Now knowing Xander is a golfer as well, I certainly look forward to teeing it up with him sometime in the near future. If you find yourself in Zion National Park, it's an absolute must to stop by the Desert Ice Food Truck parked just outside the National Park entrance. I'm your host, Wesley Smith, and you're listening to the Standard Age Podcast. Well, first of all, I appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. Um, We have all of maybe five minutes of interaction prior to today. (laughs) five great minutes five great minutes yeah no delicious minutes at that um appreciate it so i really want to know more about like where you grew up and like kind of what your childhood was like to start off sure sure yeah so um so i grew up in philadelphia right right outside of philadelphia um in a place called delaware county or as people know as delco okay kind of its own entity 
in Philadelphia. It has its own accent, um, has its own reputation and everything. Uh, sometimes, sometimes not great reputation, but uh, I loved it. I loved growing up there. Um, it's a very like blue collar uh, part of part of that. There, there's definitely like really white collar parts of of or the greater Philadelphia area, but mm-hmm. uh, the area that I grew up in was very blue collar. Um, you know, I, I I loved it. I you know I wouldn't have traded growing up there for for anything but um i spent the first uh 18 years of my life living there and then um i moved out to boulder colorado sweet 27 square miles surrounded by reality exactly yeah exactly i mean it's definitely a bubble as, as you learn quickly. I had already known that my brother, two, uh, I have three older brothers, much older brothers, um, same parents, but, um, they, two of my two oldest brothers moved out to Boulder. Um, when I was like, you know, probably 12, I, they, they'd been out there a while by the time that I moved out there, but, um, so I had family that lived there and I'd already known about the, you know, the bubble of Boulder. Yeah. And I moved there, um, to go to college at CU. Sweet. I had first after high school, I took a gap year. I did, uh, outward bound. If you're nice. familiar with outward bound. Yeah. Where did you go? We, I actually went, uh, to very close to where I live now. Um, and so, uh, it was like a whole Southwestern, south it was actually south mostly southeastern utah um and it was 50 days um although i grew up in a really um outdoorsy hiking you know traveling family i had never at that point i i'd missed all the camping that had been done um when (laughs) when my brothers were younger yeah because of the age gap yeah exactly exactly so although i had tons of stories and and stuff and that I learned from them. Um, I had never done it myself. So doing Outward Bound, you know, 50 days, never camp before was a totally new experience for me. Um, really, really what it was, I had, a, I had a good friend who had done it in high school and he had this extremely profound experience. And I was like, wow, like, I'd already committed to, to, uh, the university of Colorado. And I just decided, I was like, you know, I, I think this might be the thing I need to do. So I took it, I deferred for a year and I did outward bound and it was like a, like, it was a life-changing experience as many people have, um, with that program. But, um, you know, it kind of accelerated a lot of, you know, a lot of goals and aspirations and, uh, it gave me a huge boost of confidence in the world. Um, is that because of this sense of accomplishment for hiking that many miles or like actually feeling self-sustaining or like what, what gave you that confidence? Yeah. Um, I would say, yeah, it was definitely, it's a, that's a really good question. I would say, you know, obviously a lot of the things that you accomplish tangibly there, are were for me new things and really difficult things to overcome with new people um that 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 in itself yeah super rewarding yeah 
but I think it was more of a sense of um, really, it, it was a, it was the first step of me identifying who I was and what I wanted to do in the world, because mm. it was a choice that I made on my own. Granted, sure. it was, it was, you know, motivated by a friend of mine who had had an experience that that I, I saw was was worthwhile to him. However, nobody told me to do it, you know. Right. It's normal to go to college, right, the first year after high school. And, um, you know, it's not like that was totally on my radar before. So, um, you know, it's kind of interesting not to cut you off, but like, you know, it probably was the first time you ever felt like autonomous in a way, because like prior to 18, you're always, you have to be at this school at this time, this class at this time, you got to study, you got to do this. I mean, I don't know what you're like afternoon activity situations were. I don't know if you, did you play sports or anything? Yeah, totally. So, so to actually backtrack just a little bit, um, my high school experience in itself too was a little bit abnormal, uh, especially towards the end of high school. You know, I, I had a pretty, pretty normal, uh, childhood experience up until, um, around junior year. Um, you know, they, I don't know how to classify it because I'm still wrapping my head around what, what to call it. But, um, you know, like mental health issues are definitely a big conversation, you know, um, in today's society, it wasn't so much, it was getting there, but when I was in high school, but, you know, it was, it was a combination of probably normal things, normal high school stuff that people go through and also just my own personal you know, battles and journeys that I needed to go through um, at that time. Long story short, it led me to being homeschooled junior and senior year of high school. Okay. Um, I played, you know, I played basketball, soccer, um, lacrosse. I played, I played all sports growing up um, and I still played sports, still interacted with all my friends, but uh, junior and senior year, I spent a lot of time on my own and um was being homeschooled and it was this big transitional phase amongst a really transitional period of time. Oh, sure. In your life in general. And so, yeah. So, so getting back to what you were saying, totally. Um, there was definitely this point where after, especially after all of this searching and, and um, spending a lot of time on my own, there's this big decision that I make where I, I kind of do a different thing than the rest of my friends were doing. All my friends were going to like Ivy league schools and stuff like that. And I decided I wasn't going to college right away. And all my, all my friends' parents were like, well, what are you going to do? Like, what about work? Like, what about a job? And I know it's so crazy how people like, especially an older generation, they're just like, Oh my God, you're doing nothing with your life. And you're like, in the grand scheme of things, we're talking about 12 months max between now and the next time I step foot in a classroom, like relax. Like, totally. <laughs> I mean, the pandemic was two years long and it flew by. I don't know about you, but like, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, especially, yeah. If there was any awareness of, of, of any of that back then. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but just concept, like conceptually time, right? Like it's a year, calm down. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, 
you know, I think parents, I'm not a parent yet. I'm, I'm not sure if you are. No, not yet. Um, I, I know the parents have, you know, all the parents that I, all my friends' parents that I grew up with had had their kids' best interests in mind and always. Sure. They just, they see high aspirations, um, especially growing up in Philadelphia, where it's such a high, there's so many people and there's so much, um, there's so much success uh, that we're surrounded by all the time. And, and I think that, you know, you just don't want your kid to, but there's also the opposite too. You know, you don't want your kid to, to, you, you want, you, you just want to do everything you possibly can for your kid and you want your kid to thrive. Sure. And I think that especially given certain things that I had already been going through in high school, um, my friend's parents were also probably looking out for me too. They're just like, yeah, totally. going to be okay. You know, you're, you're one of our children too. So we we're trying to look out for you. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I get it. And on the outside, like it's hard to know everything that I was experiencing too, because I was at the time of making this decision, I was really coming into my own and I was feeling mm -hmm. really, really good about myself. And again, it like from the outside, maybe it didn't look totally like that. Like I didn't, I didn't have graduate. I didn't go to prom. I didn't go have graduation with my friends, you know, it wasn't right. like this. There was, it was a very abnormal looking thing, especially back then, you know, mm -hmm. like, like you said, the pandemic hadn't even happened yet, you know, like, yeah whole this whole homeschooling revolution that's happening now is was not a thing back then you sure. know what were like some of the revelations you had at outward bound like when you said that like i really kind of i i don't forgive me because i'm going to misquote you but like you said something along the lines of like i found out like kind of my place in the world so to speak a how that happened and if you can't explain it that's understandable because it's probably there's not a tangible there really but what was your place in the world that you sort of identified? So it was kind of a combination of things. So like I said, on our bound, you're, you're thrown in to a group in the wilderness with people you don't know right? from all over the country and uh, different age groups. And you're doing all this hard stuff and you kind of are like the, especially the the program that I was in which was considered a quote unquote leadership course um so they're teaching you a lot of like skills to help you know lead yourself and others th through the world supposedly mm -hmm. and um you know i wasn't sure exactly what what it was that that was going to look like i was just excited for a you know, outdoors trip. And then, you know, slowly but surely you kind of start falling into your role amongst this group of people and like what you're, what you're, what you bring to the table, you know, um, because, you know, although your, your guides are, are really showing you a lot of things in the beginning and teaching you everything by the end, it's by the end of the, the 50 days, the last eight days, actually, um, we were on our own. The guides were following us, uh, tailing us like 45 minutes behind. So we had to make all of our decisions on our own. We had to navigate on our own. We're hiking like 10, 15 miles at a time, totally remote parts of the world. Um, and you know, you're just like totally self-reliant and, you know, I, I like, 
I loved Walden. I loved Thoreau. I had all these like quotes that I was like, like, uh, you know, that just like embedded themselves into me at that, that age. And it just felt like everything was kind of coming together um, and starting to really make sense as I put myself, you know, as I tested myself really, you know, full on uh, for the first time, probably in my life, other than, you know, I've obviously was tested in sports and school and, you know, just life in general, but this was like something I, I put myself through. Right. And, um, you know, I came out of it and I was greater for it. And like, I, you know, I felt like other people were like, could rely on me in a way that I didn't, I wasn't aware of before. So I think, I think like my general, to really nail it down, obviously I'm like kind of somewhat rambling and trying to figure out what exactly it is the answer to this question. But, um, I'm sure it's something you don't talk about every day. (laughs) Oh no. And honestly, it's like, I I appreciate you. Obviously, you know, this is what you do and it's a great, it's a great question because, um, yeah, I think it was really for the first time. I just realized that like, I bring a big value to the table. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure it has an, an enormous impact on your self-esteem. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's and that's what it was. Is like a lot of, um, this is just like so funny. It's like almost like a therapy session going on. <laughs> but it's really cathartic. It can get that way. It can get that way. It's great. It's great. Um, but yeah, like I think I think I definitely struggle with confidence and self-esteem my whole life, even though I was like pretty, pretty athletic, I was pretty talented and stuff. And like, and you're out of state in to see you. I mean, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. Well, yeah. And this was even right before then too, you know? So, so that, that kind of helped the whole process. I know I had like some friends, parents who probably didn't think I was going to last long moving out of state. And here I am 10 years later, still, (laughs) still living out of state. Um, So it boosted my self-esteem and confidence to the point where I was able to, you know, move out of state, not really have a, um, a friend base. Like I had family in Colorado. However, um, I didn't know anybody when I went to college, my, you know, and I immediately, I, I felt like I was able to do something like that. Whereas before, maybe it maybe, maybe it would have been a lot harder. Um, but yeah, there was just, you know, a series of events um, as, as life, as, as it happens in life um, that led to one, you know, me saying yes and ultimately having these breakthroughs that keep on unraveling um, just how important they end up being in your life, even though I don't actively think, you know, I think about hour bound, you know, pretty much every day, but not actively thinking about all the things that it contributed to leading me to where I am right now. Although right. it's clear that, you know, I probably wouldn't be here right now if I didn't do that experience. Mm. So it sort of just worked its way, embedded itself into your subconscious, I'm assuming. You know, oh yeah. It just, it just travels with you. What, um, what did your parents do or are they still working? Yeah. So, um, 
So my dad uh, is still working out, although he might consider himself semi-retired. Um, uh, my dad, um, so my mom was uh, a stay-at-home mom. She was, she, okay, so to backtrack, so both my parents came from Philadelphia. My mom is first-generation American. She's a Ukrainian-American immigrant, or oh, her wow. parents are Ukrainian immigrants. Mm-hmm. And um, my dad is second generation American. He's Italian. Um, so big, so both, you know, strong, um, per, strong families, uh, both Philadelphia, both very um, prideful of where they came from. And um, so, you know, I, I grew up kind of considering myself Ukrainian, Italian, and not so much American. <laughs> Got it. So, um, my mom, um, you know, they, they got married pretty young. Uh, so they've been together for a long time. As I said, I have three older brothers and, um, my mom, she, she taught for a little bit when she was younger, but she was pretty much a, she was pretty much a stay at home mom. Um, um, but my dad was, he worked in finance for, um, pretty much my whole life and still does. Although, different, different, um, aspects of where, you know, what he's doing in finance, but, um, yeah, just kind of involved in, in, uh, the, the market and, um, you know, trading or investing or some, some, you know, realm, um, of that my whole life. So that's his background. So, um, yeah, definitely learned a lot from from them um, in general. But well, I'm sure he comes in handy from time to time. Maybe when running your business, I don't know. Uh, depending on what he's been into, be it investment banking versus you know a certified financial planner, those are going to be two different avenues. You know, so like um, that's interesting. Does he help you at all with? Yeah, he a hundred percent. So like my dad and I have an amazing relationship. Sweet. He, um, with previous, you know, business endeavors and my current one, whether I like it or whether I want his advice or not, he's there to give it to me. And, and, and it'd be really dumb of me to not take it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because he's been extremely successful and he's been, uh, he's, one of the most savvy people I've ever met, if not the most savvy. So wow. um, sometimes it's difficult, obviously, as anybody knows to, you know, your parent is, it's sometimes hard to separate, you know, listening to someone's advice as a successful person versus as your parent. So that's always something that I'm having to navigate, but sure. You know, almost always he's, he's, he's right. <laughs> so yeah but yeah he definitely he's he's he um he's always there to to give advice and and if i you know if i ever have any questions that he's he's the first person i go to so what was your first car my first car yeah this is something i did see um that you're interested in watches and cars (laughs) yes my first car is super boring dude um it's uh that makes it even better (laughs) (laughs) it was a so it was a used, um, it was a used 1998, what was it 98? I feel like it was 98, 1998 Toyota RAV4. 
Oh, I know that car very well. So I went to high school with um, a family that owned a Toyota dealership. So one of my classmates, she got a RAV4 as her first car. So like, I, I'm so familiar with that car. And I just remember like, I remember her mom being like, this is perfect for Allison. It's just such a cute car. <laughs> amazing the evolution of the RAV4 because I ended up, I think I ended up getting, maybe I didn't, but I know that my, I think my mom has one now and the new ones are like, they're sick. <laughs> yeah. They're like Honda CRVs, um, which I, which was my second car, by the way. Um, but the old one, the one that I have was like a little like buggy type vehicle, you know, it was like, it was super small and like, you know, heavy on the gas pedal. And it was yeah. just, it was a different, it was a totally different car. It's so funny. All my friends that are now popping out babies, they're just like, it's, it's the RAV4 hybrid, man. That is the go-to for, I don't know, if, if you're around my age and you live in San Diego with children. Like That's a soccer mom. Yeah, totally. I've always been an, an Avant fan, obviously, like with my pocket tees, I named them the Avant tee. Uh-huh. But I'm an Audi snob in that way, having never owned an Audi before. <laughs> and, uh, and what's funny is like you at CU, like those were like, Toyota Corollas like back in the day like everybody had an Audi wagon in Boulder totally totally 100% and Subarus um yes of course yeah Subarus probably probably Subaru Forerunner the occasional Tahoe but like <laughs> yeah exactly but yeah you're you're exactly right I mean that's that's super funny um but yeah I, you, bringing up Audi that that's like Audi is my dream car. That's, that's, I, I drive a Volkswagen now. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the German family. So what have you got? I, I drive a Tiguan. So it's my second Tiguan. Okay. So you've always been in like compact SUV type situation. It's weird because I know that that's like, it's, it's not totally, it's not like what my personality is, but it's the <laughs> best balance. Like I didn't want to deal with any, I didn't want to deal with, um, snow tires or anything like that when I lived in Boulder. Sure. So it felt like getting an all wheel drive car that was also a little bit sporty was like, was just like, that's where it landed me, you know? Right. Right. I wasn't necessarily in the price range of getting like a, you know, like a three series BMW yet or anything like that. So, yeah. Um, you know, I felt like it's a turbo, like I pretty <laughs> quick, you know, that's great. No, dude, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I have a GTI like, cause again, that's you and I are both pretty outdoorsy. I'm always throwing something in the back of my car, be it. Well, now it's like boxes of clothes, but like, um, it's always something, man. It's always something mountain bikes, road bikes, surfboards, golf clubs. Like it's, it's always, I literally keep the seats down in my GTI. Like, and then I have a moving blanket from Harbor freight that costs seven bucks. Oh, nice. That's my life. <laughs> you know. That's all you need. Honestly, if you have a GTI, you're probably not transporting four people usually anyway. So that's true. They're sweet. I, I love, I love that car. Yeah, no, I love it. So, okay. So what Audi is the dream car then? Which, which body? Uh, and like an S4. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> would that. be ideal. Like yeah. that. I mean, obviously I'd take an A4, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I'd like, I'd like to get an S class right there. Right. You right. know, and I, and I like that, honestly, like 
also i love um bmw like m2s sure m m4s like i know that they used to, they they only started with m3s m5s but the smaller m's are mm. really sweet my annie annie grew up in a bmw family like they okay. all uh, they've all always had bmws um yeah. so i get i give bmw a little bit of love considering you know she she she's she's uh biased to them right right i um i wonder how her family feels about the current iterations of them however <laughs> yeah i that's a good question because um i actually am not like i'm you're a much bigger car person than i am and they've always had older bmws um which are the cool ones. <laughs> Is there flaws in the new ones? A lot of people hate the design language, me included. I just think they look awful. The M2, not so much. Like the M4, the M2, those look okay. The, well, actually, the M4 kind of took a hit. Uh <laughs> Yeah, get on their site later, not to promote BMW, although this is sort of anti-promoting <laughs> BMW, but like, I love early 2000s BMWs and everything before it. Like, I just think those are so, so great. You mentioned Annie. I guess we could talk about who she is. Totally. Yeah, let's go into it. <laughs> what, uh, so you tell us. <laughs> <laughs> so Annie, Annie and I, um, we've been together, um, for about six years. So we met in 2016. Cool. Um, I worked, um, so I, I went to see you for a year to university of Colorado for a year. And then I started working in, um, a coffee shop called the laughing goat. Um, it's an amazing coffee shop in Boulder. Yeah. If you're ever in Boulder, go to the laughing goat. Um, it's like, it's very, it's very historic Boulder. Like it's like, it's what Boulder, in my opinion, it's very gritty. Um, it's, you know, it's kind of got this hip hippie vibe. It's like really, really cool. Right. And it's been a staple for there, uh, for in Boulder for a long time. It's on Pearl street. So it's more Patagonia, less Arcteryx. Uh, yeah, 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 totally. But <laughs> okay. even like, even like, yeah, like older Patagonia. Yeah. You know? um like it's 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 definitely got like that beat vibe like they're the they used to host this this like poetry night every monday that was that i used to actually work and it's like it was like what people think of boulder 10 years ago or 15 years ago it's like that's that's what it was it was re it's really really cool place nice but uh yeah so i was working there and i worked there for a long time um and I started a uh, promotional merchandising company with my brothers uh, while I was working there. Um, so I, so part of the time I was full-time there, but then uh, halfway through working at uh, my five, six years working at the Laughing Goat, I was part-time starting a new business. And, um, so yeah, around that time uh, that I was like kind of transitioning into my new business, um, I met Annie. She was a customer at the Laughing Goat, and um, yeah, it was just like one of these things. It was it's a it's a really it's a really fun story, uh, you know. That would probably be told at our wedding one day or something. But 
Um, but you know, I, you know, told her that she was gorgeous right away. She like, she like blew me away. She ordered a mocha when she doesn't even drink coffee. <laughs> okay. Make me whatever you want. And I was like, how about a mocha? Cause I like wanted to do really nice latte art for her. <laughs> You're like, how about dinner? I'll make you dinner. <laughs> well, that's how, that's what ended up happening because, um, one thing led to another and I, I was just like walking to the bathroom to like wait for this. Like I kept going back and forth to the bathroom or the storage unit to walk by her to like wait for this, <laughs> like, you know, ideal moment to, you know, ask if I could give her my number. And, um, she, she would, she came there to journal. She like never, she would never go there. Her sister had worked in coffee shops. So she was loyal to other coffee shops, but she like went there that night to like not see anybody that she knew. Right. And she was journaling and she was actually journaling in Spanish. She, she speaks Spanish as well. And, um, she was journaling in Spanish and she was actually writing about me, uh, as I came up to ask if I could give her my number. So in the, in, in the journal, you can see her journaling about me in Spanish. And then the flipped page is my number. And we still have it. I was going to say, you got to frame that, man. It's so good. Yeah, we, we have it in safekeeping for sure. That's cool. It's a good story. Um, but yeah, so, so you know, we went out and, uh, you know, six years later, we really four years later, we, um, well, actually, I'll get into it this way. So in, in, in 2019, speaking of trade shows, um, we went to, uh, my, me and my, my brother and business partner, um, went to, um, the, it's like, I'm slipping, it's like slipping my mind. It's the big food, uh, trade show and they have one on the East coast and, oh, Expo, Expo West, Expo West. That's what it's called. Okay. Biggest food trade show in the country. Um, really like in the world and like every major food brand is at this trade show. Wow. And what we were doing is we were scouting business, um, obviously. So we were there, it was in Anaheim and, um, Annie has, uh, a brother and a sister-in-law that live in Los Angeles. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I had never really spent too much time as an adult in LA. Um, and so we made this trip. Um, my brother and I were going to the trade show and she was like, why don't I fly out and meet you? Um, you can, you know, drive from Anaheim to LA and we can spend the weekend in LA. And I was like, great. And that was so this was like March of 2019. And, um, so we had this amazing weekend in LA and, uh, Quite honestly, I had this like perception of LA that uh, was not great. You know, like I I didn't think I was going to love Los Angeles, but her brother and sister-in-law like gave us an amazing experience. And like, I was like, whoa, this place is really cool. We went to like Venice Beach. We did like all the cool stuff. And I was like, wow, like we we both were on the beach in, in uh, Venice Beach and we were like, wow, like, um, you know, I'd already worked remotely. She, she was working for Boulder County. Um, she was like the, the community coordinator at a affordable housing unit in Boulder County. 
And we were like, why don't we figure out a way that we can work remotely? Um, I already work remotely. I By this time, I had no longer been working at the coffee shop. I was full-time at my business. And sure. she, it was just like, how can she figure this out? And so... Right. Um, so a year later, um, we, it was March, 2020 and, and everything was about to get crazy. Right. You know, she had already put in her notice months before, like the same day that everything closed down, like for the same day, it was like, couldn't, you you couldn't make this stuff up, you know? Um, so we, we had this plan already though, that we were going to travel and work remotely and do this, like, um, no, what we were calling was no rent 2020. (laughs) And we were just going to give up our lease and just like travel and and work remotely. Even, you know, we were going to do this even before everything. So I was going to say you were ahead of the curve here on this. It's crazy how it ended up happening because obviously now we're at a point where it's much more normal and you know that happened really quickly in two years um but you know that that none of that was really it wasn't as normal right yeah of course but it ended up working out for for us because remote work for annie she ended up starting her her own uh, consulting business and she was she was like doing um you know digital she was doing like um uh she was she was actually she was more doing like uh digital uh digital assistant work like kind of a catch-all for any type of online um social media type type stuff right and so that became actually really beneficial for her um but it led us to ultimately landing where we are now in springdale um which is I, I've been coming out here for 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 you know half my life. Uh, my parents, growing up in Philadelphia, the normal thing you do is you get a Jersey Shore home or you go to the Jersey Shore and that's your vacation. Um, my parents like were not into doing that, so they they were into like hiking and traveling, like I was saying, and they ended up you know landing uh, in right outside Zion National Park in Springdale, Utah, uh, back in 2004. So like way before it was popular. Okay. So they have a home there as well. They do. Cool. And, um, and so we, you know, we had plans where like, let's, let's make our stop there and we'll kind of like use that as a home base. Like a hub. Yeah, exactly. And, and kind of venture off. There's so much to see in that general area. Right. I mean, a six-hour drive from Zion in any direction is just epic. It's amazing. Honestly, the fact that you just said that, like, obviously, we've learned that through living here. But this place, like, um, it's so remote, but it's actually so connected to, to like, amazing places. I mean, 100%. Like, like you got, like, Bryce, Lake Powell, uh, Grand Canyon, Escalante, um but then there's also like it's like only two hours two and a half hours from vegas so like if you want to fly somewhere international you can just like go to vegas yeah phoenix is only like a six hour drive right so it's you're like you said it's really connected actually for being so remote yeah 
Because you're also not far from, I mean, like Jackson Hole, Wyoming has got to be, what, six hours? Um, or is it less? It's probably a little bit more because Salt okay. Lake. So Salt Lake is like five, 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 five and a half hours. Okay, so then you're like nine hours away then, right? Because isn't Jackson's like four hours or something from Salt Lake? It's probably about that. Yeah, if you right. took because because getting here from Denver Boulder is about nine ten hours. Gotcha. Straight shot down I seventy, but like yeah, you know it's the West is huge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's so spread out, but yet yeah, so connected as as we say. So okay, so that's what made you land in Utah, obviously, because you had sort of that connection from your childhood and or two thousand four, especially you know having a home there. Yep. How do you go from? a trade show promotion business to an Italian ice business. <laughs> yeah. So that's, yeah, that's the old, did your mom make that stuff growing up or did your dad, sorry, he's the Italian, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, um, ironically, yeah. Like he, not like growing up for me or anything, but he actually did do this like super small business um in philadelphia for a year with his buddy where they were like hand turning right nice like way old school um but but you know wasn't anything significant but yeah like this entrepreneurial thing you know was 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 relevant in in ways related to that to that endeavor for my dad um always though it's like in my blood you know like even beyond my parents it's it's there there's it's you know this this kind of make it happen type um mentality yeah um so we so yeah so what italian ice or as i call it water ice coming from philly like um philly as i tell a lot of people like philly is really known for philly cheesesteaks like people know all over the world about Philly cheesesteaks, but little do people know is like in Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphia water ice also like has almost just as big of a reputation inside the city. Interesting. And like people nationally know about this place, Rita's water ice. Um, there's like 600 of them across the country. And there's still busiest locations are in Philadelphia, but there's one in Salt Lake. There's one in Denver. There's, there's, you know, there's, they're in California. I mean, there's 600 of them. <laughs> yeah. They're all over. Right. It's like Starbucks and I've never heard of this place. <laughs> yeah. Like it, we get a lot of people that are like, Oh, is this like Rita's? And, and you know, like they're, they'll, they'll be like, I'll be like, where are you from? And it'd be like some place that's not Philadelphia. And I'm right. like, of course, you know, um, but but Rita's like, to be fair, like Rita's is amazing and it has an amazing story and super successful, but it's not this like super authentic product. It's, you know, a lot of flavorings and sure uh, colors and it's not the greatest representation, although it is a representation of what it is. Like it's not really what it is. Right. Um, and water ice is, it is Italian ice, but it's, it's an even softer version of it. So like Italian ice varies a lot. Like some people think it's like a snow cone or people think about shaved ice and like all of those are like much more like larger granulars of ice. You know, this is like, um, really, really smooth. I mean, you had it. 
Yeah. It's really a, like the, the, the secret, uh, there's a couple secrets in it, but, um, one, like what the thing that makes it, what it is, is how like really the, how soft it, it, it is. And, um, cause it's not really, it's not like a sorbet because the sorbet is obviously icier than ice cream. Right. Right. But like, you're like just outside the perspective of like sorbet. Exactly. But, but not shave ice. Right. Or whatever. Exactly. And that's, and that's, so like we, we definitely compare it more to sorbet than shaved ice because it's made like sorbet. Okay. Um, like we, we use a similar machine, if not the same machine that people use to make sorbet, but the process is a little bit different. Okay. Um, and maybe the ingredients, like the ingredients are very, very similar, but it is achieving a different goal. You're, you're you have a different goal than sorbet. Mm-hmm. Um, and long story short, um, you know, it was, it was never something that existed when I moved out West, even though Rita's existed, I was like, why is shave ice the craze? Like, cause of Hawaii. Yeah. Hawaii. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, people, people have, you know, that association and, and more, we're closer to Hawaii, and Colorado, and even Utah are like sister states with Hawaii. So shaved ice is like huge here, you know? Right. But I was just like, I was like, dude, like, like this thing is so much better than anything else. <laughs> Why do people not know about this? Right. And um, I used to go like my my parents, like I used to go, my dad would drive us into the city just like after dinner, like we drive 15, 20 minutes into the city just to get like, like the authentic Italian water ice. Like we had Rita's on our like two minutes from us but we would drive right. into the city to get the real thing and it was right. like an experience and it was like I, like i had i have some of the most fond memories doing that and you know we we came here and we were living here and it's like 105 110 degrees here in the summer yeah and we're getting off hikes and we're like dude like lemon water ice would be so good right now that's what flavor I got after our hike. It's the most, re- it's honestly the most refreshing thing. And it's, you know, one, like I would crave it because I know the experience of having that when you're hot, yeah. but also like, you know, intuitively you want something more like that as opposed to ice cream, because it actually does cool you down. Mm-hmm. There's this interesting stat we learned about um, through this whole process of learning everything as much as they're as much as we can to this point, and then we're going to still be learning. But um, about ice cream in the industry, yeah. But above a hundred degrees, when it's more than a hundred degrees outside, um, like actually, ice cream sales tend to go down because you, it melts immediately. It melts, but also the milk, like it, it doesn't actually make you colder. Like it, it, it actually, the dairy in ice cream, it doesn't, it doesn't cool you down. It does, right. Like, um, whereas, whereas this being water-based, it doesn't have that fat, um, that you're consuming that would, you know, heat your body up. Um, so it actually is refreshing, um, especially when it's over a hundred degrees outside constantly and here in the summer. Um, but we didn't know that we didn't know that we just intuitively were like, we need something like this. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so, yeah, we, we started learning everything there is to know about that. And, and to be fair, like Annie and I are really health conscious. We, we really care about, um, what we put into our body and we care about the ingredients that we use and where things come from. Like we have a lot of farming ambitions and, um, you know, kind of this closing the loop type mentality moving forward, um, that we have, that we want to accomplish. And this product actually really fits into that because it's a very basic product, right? As we, as we, um, as health is going to become more and more a priority for people and has become more and more a priority for people is something I've really, really noticed is that, um, you know, getting back to my roots of my grandparents, the things that they did, you know, like all my grandparents lived into their nineties, you know, like they didn't, they didn't have these health crazes of, of, yeah. of modern day. Yeah. They didn't know any of this stuff, except they did know all this stuff because they were much more in, in touch and, um, connected to, you know, the natural processes. And, you know, this is what you take when you're feeling this way. And this, you know, just like these natural remedies that they just knew, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, um, you know, as we get, you know, like I said, more, as we prioritize those things more, we're going to end up reverting back to these like old time methods, you know, like that, that were tried and true and actually really simple. So our product is actually like, it's not, it's not like a new thing that's come out. People are inventing flavors and, you know, (laughs) different processes all the time. But this is like, this is a thing that people have been doing for a hundred years over. But it's awesome. And it's the best and you don't need to change it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I I'm a big subscriber of less is more. And it seems like this is the type of product where there's probably very few ingredients, right? Like, so so who comes up with the recipes? Is that a you thing or is it? So Annie and I, um, um, we both, uh, you know, I, I, we're, we're interested in, you know, food and, and cooking. And um, so we both have an idea of what things um, should taste like and what things that are good taste like. <laughs> sure. And we, so there's kind of like these, baseline recipes like for lemon that we've learned along the way and with those baseline recipes we're able to pick whatever flavor you know that we want to do obviously only using natural ingredients so like primarily fruit um and and within fruit like prioritizing locally grown fruit. So we've done local peach. Um, we're now doing a local prickly pear because prickly pear is a, you know, really prominent fruit in this area being the fruit of the cactus that grows around here. And so mm-hmm. we can get that. And it, you know, it's, that's, that's also part of our goal of, of our goals moving forward too. But, um, you know, we're only doing things that make sense. So like really classic flavors, um, you know, I guess there's this thing called like tiger's blood that gas stations are doing that, like sometimes kids come up and ask for right rainbow or something. And we're just like, we don't have that. We have like lemon, like orange, like, you know, you like, you know what those flavors are. When I get, when I get shave ice in Hawaii, full disclosure, tiger's blood is always my go-to. <laughs> 
That's that's hilarious that you mentioned Tiger's Blood of all the flavors. Dude, it's the most popular one that's asked for that's not like a normal like fruit. What like it's, it's like coconut berry or something. It's like cherry and coconut mix or so I I honestly don't know. I just know that I like it. <laughs> totally. People love it. It's like my go-to is like banana, pineapple and Tiger's Blood like partitioned out, you know, a third a third a third. Totally. Totally. Yeah, no, I mean honestly honestly like I'm not we're not although we are focused on what we're focused on like i'm not a hater on stuff that tastes good like oh yeah 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 i was just a tiger's blood in and of itself is funny like as a title right like it's like on it's like on some charlie sheen shit like (laughs) it's so dude it's so true and honestly when we carried blood orange i think a lot of like it was more ordered than we thought and i think a lot of people we're ordering it like thinking there was going to be some connection to tiger's blood, right. but like the, dr- the drama of the, f- of blood orange was enough for people to order it, you know, despite right. that not being a flavor they probably actually wanted. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. So when did you guys, so when did you guys launch it? So, yeah, we launched um, actually like not, not uh, long before you came, we launched in June. Oh, wow uh this year um but as you know with building something worthwhile it's been a long long process so we've been working on it for you know as long as we've lived here um pretty much you know having that experience the first summer we lived here being like wow this would be such a smart thing to do yes no brainer yeah yeah and you know with that there was a lot of um you know uh, contract stuff and just, you know, behind the scenes stuff that, that needed to get taken care of before we could actually start making anything and selling it. And, um, it led us to being able to, um, have our trailer completed and ready to go by June of this year. And obviously we would love to, to be earlier, but it was ultimately the amount of time that took for us to be ready. I think, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't too fast or too long. It was the perfect amount of time. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been a great year so far, a great learning experience. Obviously it's cooling down a little bit here. So our season's coming to an end, but, um, yeah. What do you do when it gets cold? Um, so yeah, so, um, Obviously, it, it, it is a little bit warmer, a little longer here than it is like in Philadelphia, for example. Sure. Um, so places in Philadelphia, I think, close. Um, I'm not sure it would be Memorial Day or, or Labor Day. I'm free, I forget. But like after one of those holidays um, in around September. Yeah, Labor Day. Yeah, so they're 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 closing around then because there's just the, you know, the, the demand for it drops. And they open um, like the first day of spring, usually. Um, so that's their season, usually. Our season's usually going to be March, beginning of March to end of mid end of November. Okay. Is when it's appropriate still. Like we're today's going to be in the 70s today still. Great. And we've been doing ice cream too. Like we do oat milk ice cream. We do, um, we, we added like a pumpkin flavor. We're going to be doing a salted caramel flavor. So that those are helpful when you know what i was saying when it's too hot 
this product's really good when it when it cools down a little bit like bringing in ice cream is something that you know people are less looking to refresh themselves but they just want to treat so ice cream is kind of like a popular thing now yeah that's great but yeah so we we'll, we'll close for three months or so um and then we'll reopen in march and we you know our business is kind of prepped for that like it's that's kind of just the plan you guys are operating out of a milk truck or like what what is what is the truck what was it pre italian ice (laughs) it was nothing actually it was it was built from scratch so this company uh prime design food trucks give them a little shout out yeah they are based in phoenix arizona Okay. Technically Gilbert, Arizona, I guess, but it's like in Phoenix. Right. And from what I understand, I mean, we did a lot of research finding on who we wanted to, originally we wanted to, yeah, like take a, take something that was and convert it into, to our, you know, retro camper style, uh, Italian ice truck. Um, but we got talking with these guys and they do that. Um, however, they were like, look, this is, it's going to be so much better to just build this from scratch. Um, Hmm. And um, they convinced us to do it that way. And, um, you know, their reputation is like really, they have an amazing reputation. They do stuff for like the Arizona Cardinals, like the football team, they do stuff for like celebrities. So we know that they were high quality and, um, even since people have seen the stickers, like they, they put a couple stickers on our trailer and um, people are like, oh, you got a prime design truck. Like they do the best work, you know? Oh, wow. Um, what does something like that cost? And I'm sure it depends to like what kind of food you're prepping inside, right? Like if you're, if you're doing Philly cheesesteaks versus ice cream, like it might be different, but like ballpark, like what is, if somebody wants to start something else up, like what, how much does this cost? Yeah. So like you said, uh, a lot of that is dependent on the equipment that you're needing inside and the size of your trailer. Obviously, yeah. um, Just to to give people an idea, like we have uh, right now, we have two pretty, pretty solid commercial size freezers. Uh, One is a chest freezer that is colder than what we call our dipping cabinet. which is something that runs a little bit warmer and what we scoop our, our product out of. And so those are, those are pretty, you know, they're, they're, they're decent expenses, but they're not crazy. Um, really the most expensive part aside from our trailer piece of equipment is our batch freezer, what we make our product in. Um, so that piece of equipment, again, this is like not included in the trailer cost. We bought this ourselves and they, they installed it in the trailer. Got it. But that piece of equipment is very expensive. That's like, like $30,000. Like, wow. you know, that's like a car. Right. But aside from that, um, including labor and all that kind of stuff, you know, our trailers 14 by seven, um, and um extremely well built uh has ac um we have you know customized rims uh moon caps you know we have an amazing wrap job so there's like really high quality finishes the generator we have is like a cummins own own 
seven kilowatt generator. It's like okay. the line. With all that being said, um, it's you know it's definitely upwards eighty thousand plus. Okay, yeah. So it's like getting like an overland vehicle. Totally. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, those things are badass. By the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, different. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, some of those get up to like, I mean, the sky's the limit with those things, you know, hundred grand, 150 grand easy. That That's, that's what I was going to say is like, you can make it, you know, I've, I've put all those features in to give people an idea because you can kind of flesh it out or customize it up as much as you want. Sure. Like we originally had an awning, which we're going to add again, but we had this like amazing awning, uh, retractable awning that we had. And that's expensive. Um, we ended up having, we ended up removing it because we didn't, the awning we ended up getting, we didn't like the, how it ended up looking with our trailer. So mm. we removed it and we just went, go, went, you know, started without it, but we're going to add one. We can add one later. Um, but, you know, we have, we have, we have Bluetooth speakers and we can play music from outside of our trailer. And cool. So it, there's, you know, the sky is the limit. You know, um, but it's not, it's not like, I mean, I'm sure you could do a cheaper building it yourself, like actually doing the work Sure. or there's companies that'll do a simpler job. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, for Springdale, this is a brand new thing. Um, food trucks are actually illegal. It, uh, they, they were not allowed in Springdale until 2018. Wow. And then the state of Utah told told Springdale that they needed a change to their that it was unconstitutional the way that they had their uh, policy that they had to create uh, an avenue for for small business owners uh, of this kind to potentially to, to potentially uh, have a have a business in the town. And so then there was a bunch of regulation changes, um, and there's this like really kind of um you know tight-knit ordinance that is written that makes it still really really difficult for food trucks to operate in the town um but needless to say needless to say we spent two years plus negotiating through all that you know knowing the right people talking to the right people just like really getting good graces with the town and participate and 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 um you know doing our due diligence and letting them know that we're we're going to be active and caring members to this community because because we are and we care about this place and right now i'm moving forward and um and ultimately we wanted to do an amazing job of what this can look like you know we 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 didn't just want to throw something together and and you know and and benefit off of like five million six million tourists a year you know right. like a lot of people see zion national park and they're like wow like what a way to make money right and obviously it is you know but but at the same time it's it's this is we really care about this and we wanted to let them know that this is this is something that can look nice and fit with the town and you don't actually have to build more on this like very finite you know valley right and you, this, our trailer leaves every day. You know, it's not a permanent structure. Right. Um, and it's not an eyesore. It's like people love it. People take pictures with it and post it to their Instagram. And yeah, I mean, I did. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> exactly. How do you choose your spots? How do you choose where to go each day? So yeah, so we're there every day. Okay, it's the same parking lot every day. Exactly. So okay. that, that was that was kind of part of I think we we were planning on doing this no matter what, but that was our goal was to get into um you know, a, a location that we were going to be pretty permanent in. We right. we 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 plan on doing weddings and events and stuff like that. We are mobile. Like we bring it, we move it every day. Right. Right. Our agreement with our business, with, with the landlord is that we, um, we expect to be there as much as we possibly can. And to be honest, we wouldn't want to, I mean, it, for good business, to be fair, like we wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Right. So because you guys are in the parking lot in the shopping center or whatever it's called. I've only been to Zion the one time. So it's right before you enter the park or right after you come out of it. However you want to, you know, verbalize that, but yeah, it's um, a walk. Yeah. So, I mean, it's right there. So those who are listening, if you go to Zion, hang a right or hang a left as you're coming out of the park, and cool down. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. so there's the driving entrance to the park and then there's the walking entrance to the park, which is where, uh, like everybody goes when people do the narrows, they like go and get their gear from this place, Zion adventure, um, mm -hmm. or Zion, or no, sorry, Zion outfitter. Um, and, uh, then there's, uh, a brewery brew pub. And then there's like a, a market for campers. Um, for people that are camping because the walking entrance and the campgrounds is right there as well. Um, but yeah, so if you're not driving into the park, the only other way to get into the park is through this, this walkway. And so there's, especially during the summer, there's, you know, tons of people there just by virtue of, of necessity. Right. Um, but yeah, it's right there. It's right where trailer, you can't miss it. Our trailers right out <laughs> outside of the brew pub. Yeah happy camper market. So that's great. Well, Xander, man, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. I've, I've loved kind of hearing your backstory and, um, the lemon is out of this world. So if anybody's hiking in Zion, go get it. Um, most important thing, just the yeah. trailer, the, the food trailer right outside of the walking entrance, it's desert ice, but yeah, our it, best way to check out our uh, information is desert.ice.zion is our Instagram handle. So that's kind of where cool. we post most of our news and, and stuff going on. So definitely check that out. Sweet. Well, thanks, man. Um, it's good to see you again. And uh, I hope to see you again, either in Zion or come out to LA. Dude, yeah. by the way, before we, we before I sign off, I, I listen the, you know, obviously you got a lot of watch and yeah. you got a lot of watch and clothing people, I think. But you got you had Eric Anders Lang on. Or you're a golfer. Dude, yeah, big time golfer. Oh, sick. Dude, I was I saw his name. I was like, what? I was like, that's a, I was like, that's amazing. Like, yeah. I love that guy's YouTube channel, man. I really do. Like it, the stuff that he does, I've been following, I've been watching his videos for years, dude. Like all the courses that he goes to, the stories that he tells, he does it. He's one, I think he's one of the better, better YouTubers there. Oh, he's the best. He's the best for golf. He's the best. Like it's just hands down. And, um, if you haven't listened to last week's episode with Cole Young, he started a brand called Metalwood. And, um, 
And Cole's rad. I'm actually supposed to have lunch with Cole today. Oh, no kidding. Okay. I'll, yeah. I'll listen to that. It's, that's, that's a good one. Um, Cole's, Cole's the man. He's just a, a bright guy. Like he's just, it's great. Okay. Yeah. But Eric's, Eric's a trip. Yeah. Getting him on the show is quite the treat. Um, Full disclosure, at the beginning of that interview, I did not think he liked me. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, man, this is not going well. So I don't know. Uh, I, I'm going to leave this in. So anybody at me, on D, uh, DM me. Let me know if it sounded like he hated my guts. Cause <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get I didn't get that. But yeah, that's, that's good to know. That's funny. Um, but yeah, anyway, that was really funny. Uh, yeah, these things are... There's, a, there's always a backstory to every single episode. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you do you do an amazing job, honestly. I oh, that's nice of you to say. Thanks, man. Podcast I was ever on, you made me feel super comfortable. Oh, cool. Well, come out here. Let's tee it up. Bring your clubs, man. Let's do it. Yeah, I love it. All right, Xander. Thanks so much. Say hi to Annie. I will do. I appreciate everything, man. Okay, buddy. All right, later. Good day. This wraps up this episode of the Standard Age Podcast. If you like what you heard, I'd love it if you'd share it with a friend or two. And if you have a moment, please rate and review the show as it helps others discover these episodes. It absolutely helps far more than you realize. Shout out to Jensen Reed and Super Beautiful for the theme track, as well as Clear Audio for the noise-canceling headphones. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you in the next one. Take care.